2: KMOX at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Whoa. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it. That doesn't sound all dirty and muddy and everything no, else. No, that like sounds it. very
4: clean. Yes, it does. Very nice.
3: When I stepped in the door, I barely recognized you. You don't have a hockey hat on.
4: No, I had to. I, I got something I got to go to later on, so I didn't wear a hat today. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I do a little emceeing uh, at St. Louis University's homecoming today.
3: You're kidding. No. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it should be. Great.
4: So get to introduce the A-10 champion women's soccer team and men's basketball teams.
3: Whoa. Yeah, so it should be fun. All right. Have fun.
4: I will. You it too. It should be
3: fun and you know and have fun yourself. I will. All right. Great. Folks, welcome and Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember I said last week, you've got about 2 more weeks if you're going to put down any kind of cool season grass seed. After the mid-October date, it gets less and less chance of the actual grass being able to not necessarily germinate, but to get the root system deep enough into the ground that it can handle whatever kind of weather the winter is going to bring. So anyway, on Saturday mornings, we get together and we have a roundtable discussion on what's impacting your in- landscape regardless of where it is. In the front, the back, the side, or anything else, especially garden spaces, a taste of the tropics, get those houseplants excuse me, get those houseplants checked out because they're going to be coming inside pretty soon. So check them out. Underside of the leaf, all the stems, everything else. Also, your soils, your potting mixes, watch out for fungus gnats because a lot of times we're bringing those things in and we don't even realize it. So uh, let's say an insecticidal soap, just drench this potting mix with that. And that way you can and do it a couple days in a row because fungus gnats only live for a couple days, but the eggs can lay there, you know, and so what you're trying to do is get all the eggs killed as they hatch. How to improve your soil, what you should be doing as far as pruning and shearing and everything else, those bugs and diseases, and you can use the information that I'm sharing with you to help you make uh, and solidify your options with the final judgment, of course, on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player in this game is Alex. He's across the way. He's got all kinds of Wisconsin stuff on. I don't know. Wisconsin hat, Wisconsin shirt. So, I don't know. Is that where you were last week?
4: Yeah, I went up to the Wisconsin Dells for a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Beautiful up there.
3: Absolutely. Very different.
4: And then, of course, we had to go visit the University of Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, got to go see Camp Randall, the football stadium. And we got there and we went out to the, uh, in their uh, little gift shop. You can walk out, see the field. And a a guy who works, I guess, for field operations, stadium operations, saw my son Carter. And he asked me if he wanted on the field. So he got to go on the field. You're kidding. Uh Uh-uh. And then, so he ran like 15, 20 yards. I think they gave him a scholarship right then and there. So (laughs) mom and dad are happy. (laughs) And then we went back again, and then I got to go on the field, so that was pretty cool. So then I had to buy some Wisconsin gear, so, you know. Sounds great. It's cool.
3: All right. Glad you enjoyed it. And, folks, by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you would like. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And uh, this past, after the show today, I'm headed over to Belleville. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations and online and uh, other things as well. It's just been a great time for me in the outdoors with plant material. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This past Monday was the first day of fall. So what I've done historically is on the week or weekend or the Saturday after, whether it's first day of fall, winter, spring, summer, whatever, I do a good gardening stroll through my landscape. And so I'm staying with the tradition. So I'm starting on the east side of our property, which back is a garden space between the garage and the alley. This space is, has just exploded or did explode a little bit earlier with six-plus weeks of purple cone flowers. They were absolutely spectacular. Once they finished flowering, then they produce a seed, and then the purple and gold finches started showing up eating the seed. So that was fantastic. There's also some sedum acre, some uh, white uh, sweet alyssum there, and various beds, too. The alyssum is still in full flower. The fragrance has gone down a little bit, so that's a little bit disappointing, but that's okay. There's other beds that have that as well, the alyssum and the sedum combination, so they seem to be, you know, kind of coexist pretty well. There's some self-seeded moonflowers. Wow, those things are absolutely spectacular. Moonflowers are a vine, same family as a morning glory, except they bloom at night. And the petals all the way across, it's a trumpet-shaped flower, but they're probably maybe s- close to six inches across. So, I mean, they really put on quite the show. These and we've got some, <clears throat> excuse me. Like I said, they're self-seeded, so I was surprised when they started coming up. The only sort of bad thing about moonflowers is, from the time you plant them to you start to get flowers, is almost a hundred days. So it's a long time before they get mature enough to actually set flower buds. Uh, other things, the backyard—that's I have zoysia grass there. It's really still looking pretty good. I've got containers that uh, with cannas, elephant ears. Begonia's dragon, (laughs) dragon wing Begonia, sorry, moss rose and variety of minor summer bulbs along with thyme and a variegated sage as well. I'm starting to dismantle all the summertime stuff and getting ready to do some of the fall type things. So today after the show, after my appointment in Belleville, I'm going to actually take out or cut down all my cannas. I'll still have elephant ears and I'll still have some dwarf cannas. But uh, all the big, tall ones I'm going to get rid of. Along the, right underneath the Mugo Pine, which is right outside our kitchen window, is uh, Japanese Painted Fern. I've just been amazed at how well it's actually done. And some Coral Bells with Palace Purple type, so they have the purplish leaves. Front door, the steps, that's where I've got all kinds of pots filled with, again, Wandering Jew. I've got some kaffir Lilies. I've got Sedum. I've got some dwarf uh, cannas in there as well, and it looks totally overgrown, totally crazy, and that's what I wanted it to do. Around the front, the zoysia grass in the front looks good, too. I've been watering in the last couple weeks at least once a week for probably an hour and to get that water to penetrate deeply. But I can see with the days getting a little bit shorter, the zoysia is headed towards... Dormancy, but that's fine. I mean, that's what should happen. The three sugar maple street trees underplanted with a sedum and the yellow moneywort. Some people call it creeping yellow creeping jenny, but I like moneywort. That's the British term for the plant. So, anyway, as I said before, hosta are still looking very good. They're just starting to turn a little bit, and I always check the underside of my hosta leaves, and I have found a couple slugs in the last couple weeks or so. So, hmm, those slugs. I keep throwing them out in the street watching them fry because I'd want to see fried slugs. Anyway, it's time for the t- sort of dismantling, as I said, of the summer show offs and getting ready to plant bulbs in these pots in various places. I'm getting my, bo- my bulbs like usual. I'm getting some daffodils and some tulips from Brightside St. Louis. So, Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages
2: welcome back to the st louis composting garden hotline once again mike miller on kmox
3: yes folks you have any questions concerns or comments 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 as i was talking about uh, zoysia lawn, i have it in the backyard in the front yard both pretty much weed free and this year what I decided to do is I was not I didn't use any kind of herbicides at all. I've been hand weeding, but man oh man, whew, it has been a lot of weed. I didn't realize that I had that much crabgrass sneaking in and around and under all the zoysia, but I've gotten the majority of it out. The only thing I'm still seeing the as far as a w- annual warm season weed is spurge. Not a whole lot of it, but it's still popping up in places I thought this, I mean, the Zoys is so thick that I thought there's no way that, you know, anything could actually get a chance to come and penetrate and then push itself up through the Zoys and everything else. But it shows you how opp- opportunistic weeds actually are. So it doesn't take a necessarily just a lawn that's thin or weak or whatever. Even in a really pretty thick, healthy lawn, uh, you can have some weed problems. So just, you know, keep track of it. And now watch out for the annual cool season weeds, which they germinated mid to late August, and that's going to be the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrasses, plus several others as well. So to the phones we go, and where should we start? Let's start with Mark. Mark, how are you today?
5: Hey, good. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my phone call. Sure. Uh, unlike your lawn, my lawn is not weed-free at this point. Um, A couple years ago, I took a soil test. I had low pH. So I followed the instructions to a T um, on administering lime, and I aerated 10 days ago. I laid my lime, laid some gypsum, and I'm wondering, does my next move need to be overseeding and composting, or do I need to give it some time to let the
6: lime start working?
3: No, you don't need to do that. I mean, you could go, as long as you watered it in, you know, get it down in contact— But you only got about two weeks left to get the seed down. So I would say get the seed down as soon as you possibly can, and then that quarter to a half inch of compost on top. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, you got some work, but uh, you got to get it uh, down. Like I said, you got to get the seed down so it can germinate, so it can get root system penetrating into the ground enough. So when we have those freeze-thaw cycles, just as, let's say, the cold weather starts – What it does is can push newly germinated seed of any kind or young plants up out of the ground. And that, you know, can expose them again to more damage. So that's why you got to get it done pretty quick.
7: All right. Get it done in the next few days. All right.
3: Sounds perfect. Thanks. Anybody else with questions? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go into Mike's yard. Mike, how are you today?
8: Hey, fine, thanks for your show, it's really great. Hey, um, this is, uh, we have a female golden retriever. We had to fence in our yard, which uh, part of our yard because she got go out there and the deer are everywhere and got sick. <laughs> so uh, we have a large pin oak that is included in the small area of fence. And we're gonna have it thinned again, but as you know, many times, uh, nothing grows underneath it, excited and seated, which wasn't a problem before every couple of years I could. But with her enclosed there now, there's no no hope is there any good ground cover that we could use with, would have a dog there and hopefully not to clean things up that would not be harmful for the dog because all the ground cover research, some say it is, some say it isn't. Do you have any suggestions? It's only about 400 square feet irregularly that we need to get grass. But um, if you have any suggestions on ground cover, what we can do, trees, you know, huge tree, 45 years ago planted. So, um, anything you can help would be greatly appreciated.
3: I would say embrace weeds. Whatever you can get to grow in there, love it, you know, take care of it, And because there's not anything else that's going to have any kind of chance or opportunity as far as a ground cover, a lawn, even shady kind of lawns and all this other stuff. So whatever weeds, violets... Anything in there that's green that can stabilize the soil so every time that your dog comes in when it's rainy weather, you don't have to wash your yeah. paws off, you know, because of mud and everything else. But whatever you can get right. in there, so, just be lucky that you've got something.
8: So when you say weed, what do you mean? Um, I mean, obviously, weed is good. I mean... Because you, you mentioned iris as a weed. Is there a weed category that is a good weed we can get?
3: No, I would say you're not going to be able to buy any kind of weed. Just whatever gr- is growing in there, just be thankful it's there. And probably, you know, you may have to end up putting quite a bit of mulch down, too, just kind of in general.
8: Yeah. Well, I've got mud growing there pretty well. But, uh, <laughs> okay, thanks. Come on, you're supposed to give me an answer. Make it easier.
3: <laughs> there is no—I'm oh, wow. trying to be realistic. I know you are. We've been fighting this for so many years. It's
8: just like every place we look, you've turned something straight. Obviously, pinocchio is the, you know, but with the dog there, we we have no choice. We could, anyway, thanks right. a lot. Bye now.
3: Yeah, so if you get any kind of weeds, whether annual weeds, perennial weeds, or anything else, just be grateful that there's something that's green that can handle it. So if it's violets, great. If it's dandelion, great. Anything at all. So good luck with that. Now let's head over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry.
9: Hey, how you doing? I'm... Uh... You know, I've got a bunch of zoysia grass myself and last year I had a whole lot of luck with um, fertilizing later in the growth year and and then come the spring it was it jumped right up and was full and lush and but I actually got some more time out of the you know, the fall season. It didn't go dormant quite so soon. I was wondering what you think of that.
3: Generally I don't like to you know fertilize because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. So if we fertilize zoisa or warm season grasses as we get later and later into the season what it does is prevent them from let's say going towards dormancy. Then okay. if we get uh, really a severe cold snap real quick, it could be some major damage to your zoisa. So generally okay. I don't recommend fertilizing zoisa, you know, in the fall whatsoever. So the last feeding for me okay is, you know, let's say March all the way through maybe last feeding in July, and that's pretty much it for the year.
9: Very good. All right, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it.
3: Sure, but if you've had luck doing it another way, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. So, Life is totally wild out there. Sheila, how are you today?
10: Yes, Mike. Um, I I think I have moonflowers.
3: Oh, great.
10: But the strange part is that I didn't plant any of this stuff. It just little thing came all of a sudden came up, and about three weeks it got really tall, and these white trumpet flowers. But I'm not so sure if they bloom at night, but yet they seem to be a little bit during the day, and then they just kind of fall over. And there's a little round ball in there, green, down toward the stem, and it's real prickly. Is that what I have?
3: Yeah, it's probably moonflower, it sounds like it. So it does bloom at night, so you just have to look out there wherever they are and just check them out. Uh, sometime so after about... S-
10: this is booming during the day, too, for a while.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, they just shut down during the day. So early in the morning, some of the petals, if it's, especially if it's overcast or cloudy, you right. know, I mean, they can still be open. But if it's a oh, bright, great. sunny area, then it's, they're going to pretty much wilt down and <laughs> disappear.
10: Oh, I planted that, those crazy things, at least a year ago.
3: Right. So, oh, okay, like I great. said, we, we haven't had them for a year or so, for... Uh, Planted by me, but they apparently had self-seeded, and I didn't even realize that they did. And all of a sudden, they started coming up in the front yard and the backyard, both on the once in the fence, and the other ones on trellises. But still, it that's is great. absolutely striking.
10: Yeah, I just call it my surprise flowers because I never know what's going to come up.
3: <laughs> that's okay, perfect. Okay, well, thanks for your help. Sure. Yeah, embrace whatever. <laughs> you know, that's exactly like the gentleman I was trying to tell with the you know the pin oak and the the dog. Whatever grows there, just be grateful anything's there. Exactly. Right. Okay, thanks again. Certainly. And now let's head over to Karen Jard. Hi, Karen.
11: Hey, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Hey, we've got
3: some large
10: pin oaks. And back to the pin oaks, we've been noticing that um, green leaves with stems are dropping about six inches long with about six leaves on each.
3: Just a lot of them all
10: over. Is there
3: something wrong there? No. What it is is you've got squirrels. I That's what I thought. Okay. So the squirrels, especially take a look at these, you know, the, the little twigs with the leaves that have fallen. If they're like cut at a 45 degree angle, that's squirrels. They got to chew yeah. on stuff. You know, maybe they get sick of, you know, chewing on the acorns and the young ones. They're also starting to... Let's say, reline or make their new nests for wintertime protection. So they're doing lots of different things. Okay. All right.
10: You answered my question. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Certainly. Nothing to worry about.
0: Nothing to worry about, then, correct?
3: (laughs) Exactly. Unless you just hate squirrels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Certainly.
3: Let's jump to Illinois and go over to Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Good morning, Mike. Hi.
7: I want your honest opinion of whether or not Crabgrass Preventer really works. I did everything last spring with the persistent bloom. I put my Preventer down. I bought the best at the garden centers that they had, and I'm covered up with Crabgrass. Is there any way to win the Crabgrass battle?
3: (laughs) Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So it's just, you know, Timing and everything else was crucial. So you did with the Forsythia, you've done everything as you know as possibly as you could. But you know who knows why you've got it? Because a lot of people do it with the pre, you know the pre-emergence, and that's I'm assuming that's what this was, not a post emergence Yes, yes. So yeah, consequently, it may take a couple of years to finally get it under control of doing the same thing.
7: So, I had one garden center tell me to put it down when the Forsythia is blooming. And then wait a month and put another coat down.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, some of the seeds are not necessarily going to germinate all at the same time. Some of them may germinate a little bit later. So it may not hurt, you know, to do that. It's just, you know, consequently, it's going to, whenever you've got a big stand, so I'm assuming you started doing this because you had a lot of crabgrass in the first place. And then consequently, it's going to take several years for a big population of crabgrass to get established in your lawn. And then it's going to take several years to finally get rid of it.
7: Well, here's the ultimate question. Does Mike Miller have crabgrass in his yard?
3: I actually had some, but I, you know, as, I've been, as I talked about during the Good Gardening Stroll, this year I went after it with a weeding, weeding tool. So I hand dug a bunch of it out. So even though I have thick zoysia, I still was having crabgrass in there. It was really low. Yeah, it was yeah. hiding down below the crabgrass, or I mean below the zoysia, and it hadn't started flowering yet. So now I'm pretty much you know, crabgrass free, but I'm sure I'm going to have some next year, even though I think I've gotten 99.9% of it out of there. There's still going to be some seeds that are going to lay there, and the next year I'm going to have to go after it again.
7: Thank you so much. I appreciate the show, Mike.
3: Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes,
3: folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, we've only had really one good rain this entire month, so watering this time of year and through October is going to be crucial. It's for the plant material and everything else. So even you think, well, what difference does it make? The the deciduous things are losing the leaves. The perennials are going underneath the ground. But still, you want to have moisture in the soil because that helps insulate the root systems on any plant, even a huge pin oak or a huge white oak or a maple tree or something as simple as just, let's say, a small patch of uh, black-eyed Susans or even like a, by chance, you get some moonflower seeds that are there and uh, that are going to self and come up next year. Still moisture in the ground. So make sure that you do some watering. It's really going to be important on survival, survival of not only warm season grasses, which the zoysias are going dormant, of course, but the cool season grasses as well. Soil moisture is crucial. So let's see where we should go first. Let's go over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig.
1: Hi, Mike. Thanks very much for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have an established uh, landscaping scheme and been in about uh, ten or eleven years. And the last couple of years, and especially this year, I have noticed that my ground cover is uh, different colored rocks. And I've noticed that under several bushes, I've got it looks like dust that has formed on the rocks, but it's it's just the circumference of the bush. So it just goes out to the drip line and and stops. And I have a feeling I've got some sort of fungus action going on. And if that were on concrete, I would probably treat it with a mixture of water and bleach. But I don't want to do that because I'm afraid that I might hurt the plants. Uh, anything you can suggest?
3: Uh, you could use some horticultural vinegar. So, I mean, that, was, that should help sort of minimize the problem. Or if it's not really all that traumatic... If it's just an aesthetic thing, just stir the rock up a little bit.
1: Horticultural vinegar is that between the uh, wine vinegar and uh, the (laughs) cider vinegar?
3: No, you can go to a garden center and get it, but uh, it's just you know it's pretty organic and uh, it's it's pretty useful on getting rid of a lot of different things. But stir the rock up first and see what happens and. I mean, I would you could do that or just not, don't worry too much about it because this is probably something aesthetic. Do you have like a landscape fabric underneath your rock? I do. Yeah, so there might there's probably been, you know, a settling of let's say debris blowing in and everything else. So in between the rock, there's you know, there has to be some kind of organic matter because that's what you know any kind of fungus grows on is gonna be some organic matter. It doesn't necessarily grow directly on the rock per se, at least that type of let's say fungus or disease or bacteria or whatever it happens to be. So just, you know, work up the rock a little bit and then get some horticultural vinegar. Don't probably, I wouldn't bother putting it on this time of year. But next year, before you see this dusty stuff, you know, do an application and do an application every couple weeks for about, uh, oh, five or six or seven weeks and then see what happens.
1: Is the concentration recommendation usually on the container?
3: Yeah, a lot of times it's already pre, you know, say pre-mixed. So you just okay. get a trigger spray and sth, 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 sth.
1: okay. Well, thank you so very much. All
9: right, and thanks again for the service.
3: Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Now let's go over to Larry's yard and see what's going on with Larry. Hi, Larry.
9: Good morning. Happy Saturday, Mike, and thank you for your show, or, or thank you for being on my show. Yes, well, thanks. I've got a uh, a limelight hydrangea that's about three or four years old now, and uh, like last year, it grew to maybe three or four feet high. Well, this year it's like over 7 feet high, and now with the weight of the blooms, it's all bent over and laying down. So my question is, what do I want to do with that this fall as far as any pruning or not pruning, and what do I want to do in the spring as far as is that?
3: Well, probably what I would do is cut the flower buds off. So it's probably the okay. weight of the flower buds, you know, that's causing this. And your stems, you know, I don't know. Do you have it in full sunlight?
9: Uh, it gets morning sun. Yeah, you know, so till about, till about eleven o'clock, and then it's done.
3: Yeah, so probably that's a factor too. So in other words, the strength or the width of the stems are probably not quite as as big or as strong as they should be because they're not getting an adequate amount of sunlight.
9: Well, some of these things are like a, as big around as my thumb, but like they're arched over now, and I guess they'll. They'll keep that shape permanently now, or no? If you or, cut
3: the flowers off, they should actually, you know, sort of start pulling themselves back up. Okay, it'll be All a right. you know involved process, but uh, what you can do is cut the flowers off and then also cut maybe uh, let's say a foot or so down the stem, and see if okay. you can reduce some of the weight that way.
9: All right, we'll do, and I want to do that this fall.
3: Uh yeah, you could certainly do it. You know, okay. any time before. Because, I mean, you're not going to get any more growth out of them this time of year, and you want to just get, you know get it done before the new growth begins next spring.
9: Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for your service.
3: Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: I didn't even know I had a new theme song. Wow. <laughs> I didn't either. It's a complete
4: surprise <laughs> to me when I got here today. I, I was like, "This isn't of the right one."
3: About stuff that uh, you know doesn't really apply, and then they're changing my song and like
4: the important stuff exactly. that you need to know, like this.
3: Right,
0: exactly.
3: So let's head back to the phones and go and see what's going on in Gloria's yard. Hi,
0: Gloria. How you doing? Very good. Okay, about to have dreams. You already, he already answered that. But what I want to know is about these black eyed Susie that get so tall. Can I? How can I stop them from the height? You can't.
3: Basically, not you. really can't do too much with them. You can cut them back early on when the new growth begins, but they're already getting flower buds setting at the end of the you know the branches or I shouldn't say branches at the end of the stems coming up out of the foliage. So when you say too tall, they're not getting any higher than your waist, are they? Like three feet usually the maximum. No,
0: they 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 not. They grow so fast. Right. I Small ones out, and then they the still get tall. But can I just cut them all the way down?
3: Right now, this time okay. of year. Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, I could cut them uh, all the way down. You and should I see go, some.
3: You, there should be some leaves at the at the ground level, but just yeah, cut all the stems off.
0: Maybe if I tra- transfer some of them, they won't get so But I, I don't like them on my front. The back is fine. <laughs> <laughs> and another question I wanted to ask about the grass. When you put the grass seeds and stuff down, because I got a lot of bad spots from uh, the disease, should I put the disease stuff down first or how I get the uh, weed and stuff out of it?
3: Basically, the fungicides are going to be pretty much ineffective this time of year. So next year, just kind of keep in mind where you've had these fungus disease problems and uh-huh. go after them before you see the fungus or before you see the decline of your, of your seed or of your lawn. So you got to start. The best way to get rid of a fungus or a disease problem is start before you actually see it or you recognize the fact that it's happening.
0: So when spring comes, I should put it in maybe around March or something.
3: Right, and do it f- repeatedly for a couple different times with, the, let's uh-huh. say, two weeks in between. So one application is not going to solve your problem.
0: So I knew you would do it for like every two weeks.
3: Every two weeks for probably like four or five applications.
0: Oh, okay, and I probably could get get rid of them, right? And because I got gonna, this stuff called disease X or something that they gave me. Um, yeah, I had
3: <laughs> yeah, I would say wherever you go and shop, just tell them what you know, what your problem is, and kind of go from that.
0: Well, I did, and that's what they gave me. <laughs> but what about the weezes in the in the yard right now?
3: The weeds that are in the yard, if they're perennial weeds, even the herbicides this late in the season are going to become less and less and less effective. You could put an application down if you have like broadleaf weeds, like with a weed be gone or something like that to try to help minimize them, but uh, it's not going to get rid of them. Anything, any kind of problem is going to be multiple years of staying on top of it. So it's not oh, just going to be.
0: okay.
3: Yeah, it's going to be on and on and on and on. The really involved process.
0: Yeah, because it could, you know. I have Almond Tree Service to reseed my yard. And then, you know, around May or something, the seeds, is, I mean, the weeds and stuff, I mean, you know. So, okay, I'll just try what you say. I'm going to try what you say.
3: Right. So it's not
0: working with the other Yeah, just mine. putting
3: seed down is not going to get rid of, you know, a weed circumstance. And then the herbicides, you know, if they're using a broadleaf weed killer, it won't affect your your lawn seed or your lawn or your grass, It'll only affect the things that are broadleaf weeds. But if you have weeds that are narrow bladed, then it's going—you know—and they're trying to kill those. Then it is going to affect your lawn. Can I
0: say that one more time, please.
3: Uh, just make sure that if you do put a weed killer down, that it's for broadleaf weeds, not a just general purpose that could kill grassy type weeds as well, because the grassy type weeds. The whatever kills them is going to kill your lawn at the same time.
0: So when March comes, you put the weed seeds down. I mean the weed seed, right. Uh, does, you is you is can. It, weed? it
3: might be a little bit early, but, uh, again, it's going to be weather dependent.
0: Oh, okay.
3: So if you get it down too early and we get an extended springtime where it's really cold and everything else, it may get washed away before it actually does anything effective.
0: Oh, so I put, you, put it down in, in April?
3: Well, it's just, again, weather dependent. Well, so the
0: weather, okay, okay. The that's weather. the so time water, to do it. If you do it without the rain. Right. You, uh, uh, like I say, uh, the washing. Okay, I'll, I'll try it. I'll pick out some. Can I put, like if I put grass seed down now to get it going like I did last year, can I put uh, some more down in April?
3: You can certainly do that. This is the best. If you're going to do it, get it down before mid-October because it's going to be too late okay. after that point.
0: Okay. And I could just... So with the weeds being there, it ain't going to hurt the grass seed?
3: No, not at all. But
0: I could put the disease down, too.
3: Uh, I would probably just do the seed. So, Gloria, we got to move on to another caller. Okay, bye-bye. So thanks a lot. Let's go over to Fran's... Hi, Fran. Hello, Fran? <laughs> No, Fran. So let's go now to Mike. Hi, Mike.
12: Yeah, Mike. Is it too late to put down uh, the
13: pre-emergent for next spring? Absolutely. It is too late.
3: Yes. You're okay. So you had to do that pretty much in mid to late August, early September. So now it's, the seeds are probably already germinating. You could do it if you've got it as opposed to storing it, but its effectiveness is going to be somewhat diminished as far as, let's say, the quantity or the percentage that it's actually going to get rid of. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so, I mean, don't go out and necessarily buy a new one. But the seeds, the pre-emergent that you're putting down now, you're trying to get rid of the annual cool season weeds And that's the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, and things along that line. Okay, thanks. Yep. And now let's see, where should we go? How about over to Matt's yard? Hi, Matt.
6: Uh, Good morning, Mike. You mentioned earlier in the show gnats, and I have a lot of gnats. uh, Some might call them fruit flies in my house. And... Uh, I have a lot of indoor plants. Is it possible that one of those plants, even though it's never been outside, is the source for
3: those gnats? Yes, absolutely. It could be, you know, it could come in who knows what. You know, it's virtually, they could have just come in, you know, when you open the door, went in and out, and then they realize, whoa, here's some really good potting mix So in their fungus gnats, so they're going to actually then start breeding in that, you know, in that area. So get a, you know, insecticidal soap, get a concentrate, mix it up and just pour it on the surface and do it every about every third year. I mean, every third, every third day, every third year. Whoa.
6: (laughs) It's called a concentrated soap.
3: Insecticidal soap.
6: Insecticidal soap. But okay get the concentrate,
3: that. don't get the stuff already mixed up. The concentrate, you're gonna mix it up yourself and then just pour it directly onto the potting mix around all your plants.
6: Will do. Thanks for the advice.
3: Certainly. Yeah, the concentrate, yeah, you know, insecticidal soap is, you know, environmentally, you know, pretty safe and everything else, and uh, so it works pretty darn good. Let's go now to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe.
5: Good morning, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I've got two quick questions for you. I'm in a new house. I had a my front lawn sodded in June. It looks pretty good with all the rain we got right around that time. Uh, I'm wondering, is there anything I should do this fall to it uh, that I haven't done already to uh, prepare it for next next spring and summer?
3: So it's a cool season lawn, I'm assuming. Sure. So is it bluegrass or, or fescue? I think it's fescue. Okay, so you should use a winterizer type fertilizer and also we haven't had that much rain like I talked about earlier on the show. Make sure that you're doing some watering every, you know, every couple days to make, you know, to get that ground and don't run the sprinklers or your irrigation system for short periods of time. You're going to have to run it for extended periods of time so you can get the water to penetrate deep into the ground.
5: Okay, we're running it twice, irrigation system currently twice uh, twice a day for 30 minutes at a time. You think that's enough?
3: No, I would say run it less often, but for longer periods.
5: Okay. My second question is, we put in a limelight hydrangea tree, and uh, it started to wilt, and the flowers started to yellow. We were told that because when we planted it, the ground was moist and it's very uh, clay soil, that it created like a clay pot type situation, and it was probably sitting in water. It was recommended we pull it out, uh, put some topsoil in, dig a bigger hole, put some topsoil in around it, and replant it. We did that uh, last weekend, and the tree's only gotten worse. Is there anything we can do, or is it, is it probably gone?
3: It's probably gone, but I wouldn't okay. yank it out necessarily. Yeah. I would say you're going to have to sort of, let's say, take care of it. You should have dug the hole three to four times bigger than the root ball and not just put mm -hmm. topsoil down and then put a blend of topsoil and compost together and then plant it so the top part of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Okay. And then about two inches of mulch over the top of that. But uh, don't, don't fool with it again this year. Wait until next spring and go after it at that time.
5: Leave it be until next spring, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much.
3: Certainly. I mean, you could do it now, but uh, you've already yanked it out of the ground once, so I'd be a little bit cautious about doing that. Anyway, that's the first hour of the Garden Hotline. The second hour is coming up after Mr. Brian Kelly does the news. So, yes, if you have any questions or concerns, you know the number.
2: KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, welcome, and the tip of the trial hour is going to be shortly, but, Mr. Kelly, I won't bother you because I know you got a whole big day of all kinds of stuff going on, so I want you to save your voice.
4: Well, you know, I've got the, I'm battling a little bit of a cold and sitting in the newsroom, where according to the thermometer that Sue bought us last week so we could... Prove that it's cold in there It's like 68 degrees really, Which doesn't sound that bad No, But it's really cold
3: But yeah, if you're just sitting and not moving or anything else That could be kind of chilly Yeah, so I I just came in
4: I didn't actually plan on doing the news I just came in to warm up
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is really warm in here This is the exact opposite I'm sweating (laughs) Yeah, well come
4: on out for a while We'll trade places
3: (laughs) Sounds great Well, thanks a lot And folks, the tip of the trial hour, as I said before, I'll be giving it shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We had a call and it said he was calling from New Mexico. Wow, our system must be totally wild because he lives in St. Louis. So anyway, it doesn't matter. By the way, thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection, caring, ups and downs, and all around for the annuals. You can still get it, you know, multiple weeks out of your annuals if you just keep, you know, keep, let's say, care and maintenance. So, in other words, maybe one more application of fertilizer and, uh, you know, keep them watered. And your bulbs, the summer bulbs can start coming out. And then it's a little bit early for planting the fall or spring-blooming bulbs. So, in other words, the daffodils, the crocus, the tulips and all that other stuff. Uh, wait until uh, later into October. Your ground covers Fine right now, but don't let that leaf debris build up on your ground covers. It's going to cause some really major problems. You say, well, what can I do about it? If you start raking in ground covers, you're going to tear it up. Well, set your mower as high as you possibly can and just run over and chop them, chop it up as much as or bag it as much as possible. Your houseplants, get them ready to come inside. They're going to need to come in probably in another couple weeks at the latest <laughs> They're, they're pretty tough, so we don't know what the weather's going to be like, but that's just going to make sure that they get in and get acclimated to the environment inside. Your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you to, let's say, maybe consider. Alex is running the board, so when you call in, all they need to know is your first name and where you're calling from. So he doesn't need to know question or anything else. So during the week, I spend my time doing landscape consulting. And uh, today after the show, I'm headed over to Belleville. This past week, I was at a couple different places. But one of the places I was at was in Sunset Hills. And these people just bought the house, I think it was the last, uh, a year ago, February, or I can't remember exactly when it was. But they inherited some really kind of wild and crazy things. One of them was a water garden that is really totally imploded for the most part. It's not huge. It has a waterfall and everything else. But I told them or I advised them to actually maybe consider joining or attending some of the St. Louis Water Garden Society meetings to really learn how to take care of this, you know, this scenario. It's got a lot of cattails, it has a lot of water lilies in it. But the thing is, really you can see the liners really messed up and everything else. But you know, the plant societies is they always get tip of the trowels and you can really get some great information there. So as I said before. You can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, the homepage, and that's where my email and phone number is. You can contact me and I can come to your home and share some of my thoughts and ideas. And a tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 3344. You probably know the Butterfly House out in Faust Park. Well, <laughs> October is a totally wild time. At the Butterfly House, so it is transformed into the Boo B O O T E R Boo fly House during the entire month of October. So there's going to be all kinds of different stuff going on, and for the first time, there's going to be things. Most of it's you know just interactive. You know, a lot of it for kids, a lot of it for adults. You're in there with all the butterflies and everything else, but they are going to have something called Wicked Wings and Wine, and that's going to take place on Friday. October 14th, and again on Friday, October 11th. And Wicked Wings gives you a chance. You got to purchase the tickets ahead of time. But for more information on this whole month of October, which is only a couple days away, you can go to butterflyhouse.org. The Butterfly House is part of the Missouri Botanical Garden. So it is really a cool place, but October, they get totally wild and crazy. So consider getting out to the Butterfly House. And either for the wings, what was that, Wicked Wings and wine, or just going out there and having some fun during the days or evenings. So if you do have questions or con- concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, let's get a call in. Roger, how are you today? Hello. Hi.
14: Hi. Hi. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be doing some landscaping around my home and I'm wondering, I'm getting rid of uh, some evergreens and I have some yucca plants that I've dug out that seem to keep coming back. What's the best way of getting rid of those? And I want to plant burning bushes. What's the best time to put them in? And one other thing is uh, I want to put in some mums that
6: that come back and I want to plant every year. What type are those?
3: Basically, all the mums are hardy, but just, you know, buy them when they're in buds later in the season is not the ideal thing to do. Best thing to do with the mums is get them early in the season, let's say in the springtime, and then you're going to have to pinch them back to make them bushy and thick. And that So it's going to take some care and you're going to have to fertilize them. But if generally, if you buy them right now, which you see them all over the place and they're huge, putting them in the ground, the chances of them surviving and coming back next year is going to be minimal. So, okay. And then the burning bush, if they're available, this is a good time to plant. Now, also realize the burning bush, how large they get. So if you're talking about planting them close to a house or a garage or anything like that, be very cautious because they get huge. Even the dwarf one can get six feet high and six feet wide. The other standard one can get eight feet by eight feet. So don't make it so you've got to spend, let's say, mature time of this shrub basically pruning it to keep it from overgrowing the walkway or blocking your window or whatever it happens to be. And the yuccas, they're very tough. They have a very deep root system. So if you can get down and dig as much of the root system out as you possibly can, then as soon as if you start to see some new growth coming off of what root system is left, go out there and step on it, squash it, break any of those leaves or wound them, and then put and just take some Roundup and paint it directly onto it. And slowly but surely, you'll finally get rid of them.
8: Okay. Okay, thank you.
3: Yep. It's a, going to be an involved process. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks. Questions, concerns, or comments? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's try and see if Fran's... In. Hi, Fran.
15: Hi. I'm finally here. Sorry. (laughs) Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a question about hostas. I'm brand new to them, and uh, I was donated some. I want to put them around a tree, but the soil there is really thin. Um, I see other people berm them up. Do you have any tips on how to do that properly?
3: Well, you really don't want to pile up soil on the trunk of a tree, so you should just push them further out. Until you can get some soil. Oh. I mean, so it's okay. adequate soil. So even if it's two or three feet out, then you're just gonna mulch around the outside you know, for six or eight inches and then mulch the, the area in between where the hostas are in the tree trunk. But don't pile, never pile soil up against the trunk of a tree.
15: Right, that's what I was concerned about. Because right. from a distance it looks like it is, but okay, and then also what can I pair with those hostas around in a berm?
3: like that what would you recommend putting with those It's a you know personal choice all- generally I don't know what kind of oh. hostas they are but maybe something like a I japanese japanese painted fern which is would give you a fine texture type thing so something along okay. that line or you could actually instead of putting let's say and originally you're probably going to put some mulch down but you could you know think about maybe putting an evergreen ground cover like periwinkle vinca minor or something along that line
15: Oh yeah okay Sounds great. All
3: right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now realize the ground covers are going to start moving out beyond, let's say, the bed space that you've designated. So it may be a little bit more work. But the Japanese painted fern, that works really quite well with the hostas. Does
15: that grow taller than the hosta leaves or
3: is that about the same height? It depends upon what hostas. There's all kinds of things that only get like two or three inches high. to ones that get, I have one that gets about uh, 18 to 24 inches high.
15: Wow. Okay. So, would you plant the f- the fern closer to the tree um, than the hostas? Or
3: personally, I like to alternate. Range? I do hosta, painted fern, hosta, painted fern. I do it that way. Okay.
15: All right. Awesome. Thanks so much.
3: Certainly. And that's just a personal choice. I like the texture. So let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe.
12: Yes. Uh, I got a problem with a bowl. It's been out there all summer and this morning I went out there, and I had three big piles of dirt dug up. So how could I get rid of that mole?
3: This is a mole that's doing that kind of damage. Voles yes. don't dig. Voles are lazy. They use old mole tunnels. But what it is is you've got moles... And the moles are eating earthworms, so getting rid of grubs won't help at all. But the piles of dirt are from where they're do- what they're doing is digging another tunnel deeper down in the ground, which would be their highway to get back to their sleeping den. So, the surface tunnels that pop up, that's the ones that they, that's their eating line, more or less, a buffet. Then they have another series of tunnels that go down, and there's no other way. They can't raise the ground up, so they have to push the soil up to the surface. So, that's what you're seeing. So, you're just going to have to watch and see where some areas where the tunnels, surface tunnels, start popping up, and then get some traps and go after them that way. Thank you. Yes. So, and again, voles, V-O-L-E-S, don't dig. They What they do, and they do damage to plants, unfortunately, but they use old abandoned mole tunnels. Moles really don't do damage to plants other than dehydrate the root system and things like that, but they're mainly carnivores. They eat bugs and spiders and millipedes and everything else, as well as grubs, but their main diet is earthworms, so... Yeah, it's going to be a, not an easy process. So good luck with that, Joe. And now let's go to Mick's yard. Hi, Mick. Hi,
12: Mike. Hi. Yeah, hey, I've got a question about uh, some house plants that I've had outside all uh, all summer. These are, uh, and I don't know the real name for them. The common name are, are dragon trees. They're huge, over eight feet tall. Yikes! Des- yeah, they are. They're they're great great specimens. Um, I've got a couple that I really need to repot. Can I? Is it too late to do that, or should I just add to them now?
3: Yeah, don't do it this time of year because you're going to mess them up. And then bringing them inside is going to sort of like throw them off even a little bit more. So it could really lead to some some somewhat of a decline. So just leave them in the pot that they're in. Don't do anything at all. Just take care of them as you always do when you have, you know, when you bring them inside. Then next year, when you start to move for, move them outside, late April, early May, that's when you want to put them in a bigger pot. But you don't necessarily have to put them in a bigger pot. In other words, people keep putting them in bigger pots and bigger pots, and it gets hugely heavy. But consequently, you can keep them probably in the same, you know, same size pot. Just pull them out of the pot, shake some of the potting mix off. Now this is going to be you know, next right. April, May, and then put some new potting mix in with it. And that helps kind of control the size to a certain point. So, in other words, you're sort of like Americanizing the bonsai that the Japanese do where they have, let's say, full-size pine trees growing in a little dish about the size of a, you know, a butter dish or something.
12: Okay. Well, the pro- the main problem is these are in, in plastic pots, and they're too lightweight. They've gotten so tall, the wind blows them over. Ah. So I'm going to move them into uh, clay pots, but I've, I've got them tied up right now, and uh, we'll, we'll just do as you suggest and wait until next year.
3: Right, and what you can do is if you get large clay pots is just set the plastic pot down in the clay pot and then put some gravel and rock to, you know, to add some more weight to it and leave them in that same plastic pot.
12: Okay, good idea. All right. Okay, thank you, Mike. I appreciate your help.
3: Certainly, my pleasure. And now... Let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Uh,
7: Yes, I have several questions. The first has to do with the old wives' tale that I remember growing up, that there were certain nails you could drive into trees, and when you did this, you could kill trees this way. And uh, the other question was, I have a a shade garden. It has lots of hostas in it, but it also has lots of weeds. And uh, my dog loves to walk through this. What is a safe product to use uh, to spray to kill the weeds? I don't want to use Roundup because then my dog's going to go through it and lick or, 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 or hide and everything. Mm-hmm. So I need something safe for that. But the, uh, the tree nails, that's, uh, that's the big question.
3: <laughs> the tree nails, I don't have a clue. Driving nails into a tree, you'd have to drive a heck of a lot of nails. Maybe days of old when they had some lead in, you know, the nails were made out of lead or something, which I don't even know if that was actually the case. Yeah. Lead could be poisonous to plant material, but just driving nails in, I can't see that killing a tree. So,
7: it yeah, may... and for, for the weed control. Yeah, that's going to be tough edge.
3: because if they're broadleaf weeds... Then that's what hostas are. So then, I mean, even like, a let's say, a safe, other than like, you know, glyphosate or, you know, Roundup or something like that, uh, weed killer could impact your hosta. So you've got a really difficult circumstance with this. Well, what I
7: plan on doing is I have uh, some uh, metal trash cans. I plan on putting those metal trash cans over the hostas while I spray the other stuff. But I need something that's safe for my dog.
3: Yeah, I mean, you might, you know, just go online and look. But uh, the weed be gone if they're broadleaf weeds. A weed be gone type product made by Scotts. I don't know if it has a, you know, any kind of thing that, you know, I mean, could certainly be impactful as far as that goes. You might try, you know, try some of that as I talked about the, in the last hour. Some of the horticultural vinegar. And or go to you know go to a garden center year round. Garden centers that you know that may have some organic products that wouldn't be harmful to your pet. But the, the horticultural vinegar you know should kill the weeds. And uh, it, you know if especially you know it's going to be use it and it's not going to be it's not going to drift as far as anything else. But as far as uh, you know, just spraying it directly onto the weeds. Step on the weeds first. And uh, then you have your hosta protective with, you know, whatever you're using, piece of cardboard or a metal can or whatever it happens to be.
7: Okay. Uh, what about the Bonide products? They don't have anything along that line?
3: Yeah, they do. I mean, you could just go online and, you know, just look at, you know, weed killers. You know, they have a lot of different, you know, organic products for sure.
7: Okay. Thank you.
3: Certainly. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's a tough situation. You know, there's no getting around it. Let's go now to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff.
14: Hey, how you doing? I appreciate your help there. Uh, I planted a a red bud, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, and it, it's gotten pretty big now. But what's happened is that the trunk has gone up, and it's got a left and a right. It's kind of got a Y in it now. And what's happening is it's it's kind of weeping out some dark brown, black kind of, you know what I mean? It's just a shade, like you see on a roof from somebody's roof, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm concerned about is I I don't want it to because I've seen these things and I don't want it to split all the way down to the ground. You follow me? It's about three feet up and right. that branches off. Is there? Can you put like a, like a, some stainless steel bands around it? Let it grow around that to support it, or does it does it need it? It will be okay just like it is.
3: Red buds are pretty tough, so I don't, you know, unless you really start seeing a split in that, in the crotch where the two trunks are meeting, I would say I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Now, larger trees, there are tree services that will drill holes in the major branches, and then they'll run you know, wire cables through that and bolts on the end of it, and they'll put a... Let's say a dish on the outside of a of the you know the cable and where the bolt is, and that keeps the tree from splitting. But a tree of that size is probably not you know probably not necessary to be honest.
14: Well, the only reason why I say it because it it I'm looking at it now. I just got home and it's like that. It's about three three and a half feet, maybe four feet up, uh-huh. and then the Y comes, and you can see that split really honestly going all the way down to about. Maybe eight inches off the bottom where the trunk oh. the the uh, ground.
3: So yeah, that does, that doesn't sound good. But I mean, if you put straps it's on not, it or something you like, any, yeah, you can't see any air. You know, you can't see anything between it. It's just
14: there. It's like if you got a crack in your basement foundation or something. Right. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be overly concerned, but if you put straps on it, you're going to have to make sure that the straps don't, you know, don't cause, let's say, a strangulation where they are around the trunks that you're trying to hold together. So a lot of times something like that, you know, can cause more damage than what actually, let's say, this split may ha- may do.
14: I gotcha. Okay. And real quick, the other thing is that I called you a long time ago and I put some cherry trees and I said they weren't doing good. You told me, well, this isn't the area for cherry trees, so I get it. But my question is, it's tall now. I mean, it's I've got it's just going straight up. And my my wife's sister lives in Montana, and she they cut there. She cuts hers. So if I cut that thing, you know, about four feet off the top of it, will it then just start getting bushier if I if I do it like that?
3: It depends upon the variety, but if you prune it now, then you're eliminating any kind of chance for flowers in the springtime. So anything that, you know, flowers in the summer or springtime, you cannot prune going into wintertime because you're pruning off potential flower buds.
14: Right, right. I'm not too concerned about that as much as I am about trying to get cherries out of this thing eventually. You know what I mean? It's not really –
3: But if it's it's been 10 years – yeah, if it's been 10 years and you haven't had any fruit – I would say this might not be a good variety for here.
14: I got you. And then the other thing is, uh, can I trim my lilacs now or is it too late?
3: Uh, no, uh, you're, pro- you're right on the cusp because really anything, lilacs bloom in the springtime. So if you cut them, you may be eliminating the flower buds for next year, even though you're not obviously seeing them.
14: Right, I just didn't want to uh, to do it when it was hot out. I've been waiting, you know what I'm saying? And these things, couple of them are withering.
3: Yeah, but you know, uh, the other one. Looks- what you need to do is within, let's say, six or eight weeks of the, when the lilac finishes flowering, prune it at that time.
14: Okay, that's what I'll do. I'll wait till next uh, spring then. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time.
3: Certainly. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages.
2: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Still got about 20 minutes or so of the show. So if you have any questions or concerns, comments, give us a call. Let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim.
16: Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I got two quick, quick questions. Um, I have several boxwoods around the yard. Um, Actually two of them, two rows. So they're, you know, all together. Um, And I'm starting to lose them a little bit at a time, one section of a boxwood, then another section, then the entire boxwood goes. And I've got about seven of them that are doing this and it's all kind of started this year within the last two months. Don't know what's going on there. We did we did use some 7. We sprayed some 7 on there and maybe thought it was a bug. And any ideas?
3: Well, just spraying, you know, as far as for insects, most insecticides have to hit the bugs directly. But okay. generally, insects are not going to kill a plant. How old are these boxwood, by the way?
16: Um well, we bought the house in 2011, and they were there.
3: Okay, so they've been there for quite a while. It may be an age factor. It may be the screwiness of our, you know, the weather that we had in the spring. Because Boxwood mm-hmm. don't like, you know, a wet soil. So the root systems could have been really damaged in the spring with all the rain we were having. But the uh-huh. let's say the death didn't start showing up until, you know, until the weather kind of changed and got really hot and really intense. I but, understand that. You know, I don't see, you know... Boxwood, for the most part, should be able to, I don't know how old they are or anything else, but they should be pretty tough and durable. So if nobody sprayed any kind of herbicides on them or anything like that, it's got to be related to the soil circumstance.
16: Okay. And even at the bottom of the boxwood, some of it is actually, I'm starting to see some new growth. So it's kind of like not sure what it wants to do.
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and nope. usually if there's new growth coming out of the base, that kind of means that the root system is not totally depleted but it's going to take forever for you to get a boxwood, you know, from just some stems coming up out of the roots.
16: Sure. Okay. That's good. And the second question I have real quick, I have uh, uh, two, I had two large um, sweet gum trees and I butchered them, cut them. Don't like gum balls. Um, The one is doing fine. It pushed out real nice. The other one is dying off, which is fine, but I'm also noticing I um, last night and several nights in the past, there is a black beetle and it's on the base of the trunk of the tree, and there are literally hundreds of them. They're about uh, three-quarters of an inch long.
3: Uh, Probably not anything to be overly concerned with, just, you know, they're there. They're not necessarily going to be bores or something along that line. So I would say, you know, you can go out there and spray directly onto them if you want to. But, uh, again, it's just sort of one of those quirks of nature, more so than something that's going to be damaging to the tree.
16: That's that's what I need to know, Mike. Thank you so much. Certainly, and now, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Thank you, and let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hi.
6: Hey, yeah. Thanks for taking the call, Mike. Enjoy your program. I've called a couple times before. I have uh, two questions. One has to do with um, raspberry plants and and blackberry plants. They are uh, hybrids. I'm sure uh, they're uh, they don't have thorns on them. And I'm getting growth, and I don't know if it is i don't know if it is growth that is um, breaking the hybrid, in other words, it's coming from underneath it's not coming from existing shoots so do i um do I cut them back? Do I let them go? What do I do?
3: Leave them alone because that's how blackberries and raspberries they colonize and they send out. The new growth is going to come off the root system, so that's going to be below the ground. But to, to what you need to do is any of the older canes, the bigger canes, cut those down all the way to the ground and encourage okay. the newer, you know, newer canes because they're going to be much more productive as far as the fruits go.
6: Okay, and thank you for that. And the other is, is it too late to aerate and to work on your yard for next spring?
3: We're talking about lawn. Yes. You've got to get it done really soon, by mid-October. Putting grass seed down after mid-October is going to be a very iffy circumstance.
6: Okay. Uh, and the thing, if I go out and rent an aerator, and um, I've, I've hired it done before, and what's happened is they, just, they kind of once over, seed it, and they're gone. Uh, does it help if you rent an aerator and you do multiple holes in your front yard?
3: Basically, you need to go north and south and east and west would be ideal if you haven't had it aerated for a while. And then put the seed down, and then, you know, seed starter fertilizer wouldn't hurt, but cover everything over with about a quarter to a half inch of compost.
12: Okay.
6: All right. Is there any other suggestions for the yard then getting ready for the spring?
3: Uh basically you gotta get it done like I said now if you're gonna put seed down. And that's about all you can really do that's gonna to be to the advantage of your cool season lawn.
12: So would you
6: go with a mixture or go with uh uh just a thirty one?
3: No, I would go I'd go with like a that's K thirty one so that's a fescue. I would go with a fescue blend.
6: Fescue blend. Right. Okay. I appreciate it. You're very
3: kind, thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, back to the phones we go, and we're headed into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane.
11: Hey there, Mike. I hope you can hear me. Yes, I can. Okay. First of all, I'm a rescue person. I rescue dogs, animals, any kind. And I started rescuing plants that they mark down because they're older, they're or wilting or whatever, so I bring them home and I give them some tender care. Well, this time I bought some coleus. Mike, I have a small strip in the alley. It's like maybe six inches wide. It's a little long, maybe five, five five-and-a-half feet. So what I did, I planted them next to my privacy fence, and, oh, my gosh, Mike, I have a coleus. One plant's about five-and-a-half feet tall And all of the others are all different colors of coleus, and they came up all along that one little bitty stroke. So... So I'm very thankful for that. It looks great. Now, I'm not the kind of gardener that plants everything uniformly. I just love to see things grow. So anyway, my next question, sorry I'm taking so long. Uh, What do you think about bonsai trees? I'm looking uh, for something for outside that I can trim and cut back, and I'll take a course over at uh, the Botanical Garden. But where where should I buy one, and what do you suggest I buy?
3: It's going to be—it's you know, a personal choice as much as anything. I would attend the Bonsai Society meetings first and see okay. which ones that they recommend. But, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of conifers. Generally, it's going to be conifers versus a deciduous-type tree. So, it, I mean, they are really intense as far as care goes.
11: I oh, will tell okay. you that. Okay. So, well- no, I've been I've been doing a lot of reading on them, going to the net and, and looking at them. But I just think they're so unique. They and are. Some of them live to be 500. They had a tree 500 years old. Yeah, but, I mean, mm-hmm.
3: that's a rare circumstance. I used to do it, and uh, oh, right. I did them probably for, like, 12 or 14 years, and then finally it's just the intensity and everything else. I just, you know, I just passed the baton on to something else. So. But,
11: <laughs> well, you know. You- you a lot of plants for a lot of people. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I just wanted to run that by you and see what you thought about. Okay. Well, listen... Have a great day. I love your show and I, all the people that call in, bless them. Have a great day.
3: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So, I mean, a conifer, if you're going to do a conifer, uh, probably one with short needles is going to work a lot better than longer needle ones because then you got to cut the needles or else the scales all off and all kinds of other things. But go to the Bonsai Society and then they can give you some great insight. Let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike.
13: Hey, how you doing, uh, Mike? Thanks for taking my call. I have a weeping cherry I planted 10 years ago, and uh, it's about a, now it's about 20 feet tall, give or take, <clears throat> and the uh, diameter of the tree is about a foot. Number one, my first concern is I have a bunch of sap that's coming out of the tree. Maybe it did it, start doing it six months ago or a year ago, I don't remember what, but is that a normal sign to see sap coming out of the bottom, very thick, uh, draining down? The tree. Yeah, pretty
3: much. I mean, even if you go to the botanical garden and the Japanese garden and look at the weeping cherries that they have, you're going to see the sap flow like what you're experiencing.
13: Okay, now, uh, how deep can I trim this uh, tree back? Because it's taller than my roof now that it's close to. And it's, uh, you know, the, the leaves are getting caught up in my gutters, and then when we have a heavy rain, the, the the water gets clogged up and the downspouts don't work. So how deep can I cut back on these?
3: Well, you know, if you prune them, you're gonna you just have to watch out and make sure that the weeping quality is still there. So you don't want to cut them too back to, you know too close to the let's say the trunk. So I would say you'd want to definitely cut any of them that are that close. Well, first of all, too bad you planted it was planted too close to the house. But any yeah, of them, like those, actually. cut them all the way. Anything that's going to be problematic from the standpoint of getting the gutter, gutters or something along that line, cut those all the way back to the, actually the graft. So in other words, there's a trunk and then the graft is a weeping part. So cut that back entirely.
13: Uh, and don't worry about harming the tree per se.
3: No, as long as it's still got a lot of branches that are full size, full length, and everything else, you shouldn't. It should be fine.
13: Well, it's very thick. I'll tell you what, uh, all the way up, it, it's really a healthy tree, and I didn't want to cut it down. But uh, is cherry wood known then for a good firewood? And is that, uh, uh,
3: that we had to
13: cut it down for some reason?
3: Yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but I mean, it's probably certainly would burn. I don't know if it's going to create oh, yeah, a scent, you know scent or anything along that line.
13: Okay. Well, listen, thanks for your show, and thank you for your time.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy.
13: Hi. Hi,
10: Mike. Um, I have a passion flower vine in a container, uh, and it grew very beautifully this year. Um, it is up to about, like, five foot on the trellis. How, what's the best way to overwinter this now that it's gotten so big?
3: Yeah, it's basically you're going to leave it in the container right where it is, and if I would say it's... You, you can't really pile mulch up on top and all the way around it, but you could get some bags of mulch and maybe just put those around the base to sort of insulate the, 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 say the root system in the pot. It may be it tough did. enough that it could handle the winter, regardless of without doing anything. I grow lots of things in pots and I leave my pots fully exposed. So it's just, you know, it's going to be kind of a roll of the dice.
10: Yeah, I've been hearing different differing uh, opinions on whether or not they can survive in this in this section, um, these winters. But I have a when it was small, I always just kind of trimmed it back off its small trellis and kind of wrapped it around a ball and brought it inside. Right. But this year it grew so it grew so well, and it's still it's still growing. And so I'm kind of worried about when do I start? You know preparing it
3: for for winter you don't need to prune it you know just whatever dies during the winter time cut that off in the springtime but like i said maybe just get some bags of mulch and pack it you know put those right around the actual pot so to, okay and that would probably be all i'd do that's great that's great thank you so much certainly and now let's head over to sheila hi sheila how are you Hey, Mike. Uh,
10: Thanks for taking the call, and thanks for the tip earlier about the yard. I was thinking of aerating at the end of the of October when it got cooler, but I'm glad to know. Right. Um, My question is about Norway's. I had a long garden. I I bought this house two years ago, and it had this weedy, weedy garden that's about ten feet by seventy feet, huge garden. I weeded it out so many times, and then I decided to just plant four Norway's. I got kind of small ones, they're maybe about three and a half feet tall. But when we decided to put, you know, cover down and then rock on top of it um, to help with the weed situation, uh, we sprayed the weed several times really good. And we covered, this was in the heat of the summer, we covered the trees with plastic bags so that we wouldn't get any of the stuff on the trees. Right. And the tops of them burnt. So all four of them have about, oh, two or three or maybe four inches of burnt on the top. Can I trim that off or should that just be left and it'll come out in the spring? Or what what would you say I could do to help them? The rest of the trees, look they look healthy.
3: Yeah, any of the needles that are brown are not going to turn green. So as long as everything's healthy, I would just leave them alone. So it probably was related to weather more so than anything that you actually did. So,
10: oh, I think it was that plastic on top of it just baking, the sun baking. Well, so, if you it left really it on more day. than just,
3: if you left it on more than just minutes. a few minutes, then it's not, that's not what did it. So, in other words, it just so what do you? Yeah, it just didn't have enough root system to pump up water. You know, to, from a healthy standpoint. So, I'm sorry, we're pretty much out of time. But I would say just leave them, leave them alone. Don't prune anything off, and see what happens next spring. Okay. So. Okay. That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, because right. you you prune, you may, it probably won't hurt. Mike Miller, K M Y S Garden Hotline. See you next week.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.